Talking to Magdalena Vokacova today, she is um, a coach, um, well, both for businesses, groups, and, and individuals, couples, and uh, been doing that for 20 years. She's done work for some of the biggest brands in the world, uh, Exxon, KPMG, O2, Panasonic, in the UK, Germany, US, and here in, in the Czech Republic. She told me a little bit about herself. She's from Pilsen, where they make Pilsner Urquell, the beer. Um, how she lost her father as an eight-year-old and what effect that had on her. She was, she grew up young, I would say. Um, she was into philosophy and, and, and deep thinking when she was already 14, went into study acting, but found out that that wasn't really her thing. That was more of a, her being a rebel against uh, whatever her family had been doing. And uh, yeah, so she ended up f through very interesting experience becoming a coach um, which she hadn't really planned but the flight to Thailand changed everything um, so we talked about this coaching the stigma of asking for help what kind of things people need help with um, what COVID has done to this uh, what's in it for Magdalena what methods she uses because she uses art and acting a lot in her coaching and uh, we even did a breathing exercise um, a very brief one, but an interesting thing. And uh, yeah, it was it was really, really cool. I, I like talking to her. A lot of things that came to my mind and even things that I didn't manage to get out. But I uh, hope you guys enjoy. And then the sponsors, that's Alfred.cz, Alfred Jobs in the App Store. Uh, jobs all over the Czech Republic and Slovakia, available in English, Czech, Slovak and Russian languages. And yeah, if, you, if you're looking for a job or you're thinking about changing a job, then you can set up Alfred and he will let you know whenever there's a job that fits your desires. So that's alfred.cz. And then the Old Bar, Old Bar Prague on Cypher Tower 21, available also on home delivery on Walt and Bolt. I don't know why these guys chose to call their companies the same, Walt and Bolt. Uh, but yeah, it's a great place. Amazing oatmeal um, porridge for those who want to call oatmeal porridge. Steel cut oats, Icelandic skier recipe made by an organic dairy farm just outside of Prague. Only available at the old bar. Juices, coffee, sweets, everything is made in house. And uh, yeah, amazing stuff. Uh, check it out, guys. Welcome. Magdalena Okachova. Did Perfect. I say it, did I say it correctly? Absolutely correctly. Yeah. What well, does it mean anything Voka Okachova? Yeah, Boko uh, mm. is an eye. Is a eye. As an eye. As an okay. eye. You so you're Magdalena with the eyes. Absolutely. <laughs> sharp eyes. Yeah. You can say sharp eyes. Yeah. So um you're a coach. I am. Uh, I read something by you a long time ago, um, I don't know, like three, four months ago, I think I saw something in the news, some article that you wrote or someone quoted you or something, and then I added you on LinkedIn, and here you are. Um, I think it was an article about the 10 myths of coaching or something like that. Um, and, and I wanted to, you know, talk to you today about uh, some of those myths but also just about coaching in general and in you and your life and, and so on. But uh, if, if, if I would ask you on the street, what are you? Is coach the only answer? Are you something 
else? Uh, sometimes I use I'm skeptic optimist. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think coach is fine and maybe an author a uh-huh. little bit. Yeah. Yeah, you wrote the book already and you Yeah, and you're writing another one. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah. I hope so. And created few uh, performance, theatrical performance before. Uh-huh. And my cards. Yeah. Yeah, you gave me your cards now, the Carpe Diem coaching cards. Yeah, the coaching game yeah, for you. It looks really cool. Uh, talking about skeptic optimism, uh, we're recording here on a day where uh, the Czechs are voting. Oh my God. <laughs> have you have you voted already? No. Uh, no, I will. After our podcast, yeah. uh, I'm ready to vote. Because uh, um, uh, it's an interesting thing that uh, we have here in this country, uh, p- both a president and a prime minister, that, uh, that I, I still haven't found or met a person here who supports them or is at least willing to admit that they support them. And I'm not I'm not in a position where I can say that they are bad or good or anything like this. I mean, I, I'm, you know, yeah, I'm in my bubble <laughs> because I don't speak the language. But, but what I'm curious about this is with, with this is that it seems to me that you have very two very different groups of people in this country, of the voters. The ones that actually want to vote someone like the the president Seman, who is I don't know seventy five year old former communist. Do you feel this? You know, do you feel that there is a different agenda for the older generation versus the the younger ones? Absolutely, it's a huge difference. And uh, you said you live in a bubble, so I live in my bubble. So <laughs> I was so surprised from previous votes that I'm just open. Mm. What will be next? Mm. And uh, of course, I try to be as neutral as I can be because I have uh, many clients with many religions, with many preferences in politics. So I don't... um, How to explain? I just don't want to show my opinion in Mm. politics because I'm not professional in Mm. that Mm. field. So, Mm. yeah. But I, what I found for sure, I live in a bubble. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I read an article this morning that was uh, from a town here, a small town, and where, where 60% of the inhabitants have a financial problem and debt. And they, they were just saying openly, we're going to vote for the same government because that government has promised us 500 check crowns extra per month, which is, I don't know, like $20 or 20 euros or something like that. And And that's it. That's how you get their vote. And then you have younger people who are maybe thinking career and stuff like that, they are voting for something else, you know. They're, they're thinking about very different things. So it's it's such a such an interesting difference between those two groups, you know, what they actually want. And I guess you belong to the bubble that is not thinking about that 500 extra per month. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I got you to say your opinion in the end. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, I, I was I was checking on your on your homepage, uh, which I will share in the episode um, comment. But um, you worked for a lot of lot of international companies. I saw names like Exxon, Nestle, uh, Panasonic, O2, um, KPMG, and then you've been doing this in the UK, in the US, and in Germany. Mm-hmm. So you've been 
you've been around the block. You've been doing this for a long time, right? Yeah, almost 15 years I work like that. Uh-huh. And after I need, needed some break to take a rest from companies, mm. and I work uh, more with individuals and couples mm-hmm. and just the private groups. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I combine both. Okay. Um, I wanted, yeah, I wanted to kind of also get to know you a little bit more. Um, so you're from a town called Pilsen. Yes. That's where they make the beer, Pilsner Urquell, right? Isn't it funny I don't drink beer at all? Uh, it makes two of us. I had, think I had four beers this year. Really? I'm not a big beer drinker, uh, luckily, because <laughs> I moved to the Mecca of beer and I don't really drink a lot of beer. <laughs> what kind of town is Pilsen? Pilsen is small mm. and not so ambitious as Prague and friendly, I think. And it's beautiful, but just if you are in a center. Mm-hmm. But uh, but, but is, is it all about beer there? I mean, is that the main thing? Absolutely not. I think it's about culture a lot. Uh-huh. Uh, music, theater, and art. Uh-huh. And yeah, it's comfy to live there because everything is small. Mm. And I have so many friends there. So Yeah, but now you live in Prague. Many years, uh-huh. and uh, I feel Prague as my home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you were you were you born under communism, right? Mm-hmm. Do you have some memories from it? Yeah, I have maybe one memory, very important one, because uh, my mom she is skeptic, definitely mm. not skeptical, optimist. Mm. Optimist, but she's just skeptic. And it was a well weather revolution. My mm. mom sat in front of the TV, look at it, and everyone was just, oh my God, it's really change, a huge change, everything will be all right. And very, very optimistic. And my mom sat in front of the TV, look at the TV and said, oh my God, nothing new, unfortunately. I don't trust to it. It's still the same people in new jackets, <laughs> and it will be like before, just in a new form. And I, I was 12, mm. look at her and say, oh my God, I'm really curious if she's so skeptical mm. or she's right. Mm. So I will observe it after. Mm. And I do many years. Mm. <laughs> and? Half, half, I would say. Mm. Yeah. Because it was interesting here. It's like a, it was a peaceful revolution. I mean, the, the, so what your mom was saying is that actually a lot of the old people just put on new jackets and, and presented themselves as capitalists or whatever, or freedom people afterwards. And they're still like the president here. Yeah. He's, a, he's a former communist party. I mean, everybody was in the communist party, but he was a... He was a he was an active guy there, right? Yeah, that's right. And, you know, the people uh, from the party, uh, they had a huge advantage because they already had some property mm. and political education. And the networks. Yeah, mm. of course. Mm. So, yeah, I would say half and half. It's not exactly the same mm. like it was. But, yeah, many people just changed the jackets. Yeah, and the prime minister now, Andre Babes, he, he, he was in the secret police, right? Or, or, or some, some organization like that? Yeah, it's many articles about that. Yeah, so there are a lot of these networks that, that, that 
that survived. I mean, and not just here. I mean, that was in a lot of, of those countries. And it is so different from, like, if you take the French Revolution, where they just killed everyone, you know? Like, it's a... And then you have a much more fresh start. I'm not saying that people should have killed everyone, but it, it's, it's a really, really interesting thing that it just kind of overnight, the same people showed up, but talking about something else. Yeah, absolutely. And my 14-year son would agree with you mm. that sometimes killing uh, could just um, clean the space. Mm. He's a radical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring him on next time. Um, <laughs> but uh, you, you had a... You had three siblings, so your parents had four kids, and and there's two years exactly between all of you, right? Yeah, exactly. That's really it was really not on the same day though. I mean, like, but it's it looks very organized. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what was the most uh, often question when I was small? Mm. Hey, Magdalena, your parents are they Catholics? Uh huh. All the time. Uh, because it was so... Because of four kids, you know? Uh-huh. So, no condoms. Yeah. Catholic family. Ah, so true. they always ask me. <laughs> <laughs> but they were not. No, no, no. No. I mean, people are not super religious here. Not super religious, but I'm from Christian family, but not Catholic one or mm. some specific one. Mm. The Christian one. Mm. And you, you were young. You were eight years old when you lose your father. Yes, I was. What uh, happened there? Oh, it's hard because he had pneumonia. Mm. So it's not so many people there died from that reason in mm. 20th century. Mm. But my daddy died from mm. pneumonia. Mm. Uh, it was a hard experience for all of us, but I think my mother is just a great hero because she grew up for kids just by herself mm. which must have been difficult back i mean this is communist time you know like it's hard to be a single single mom here in 2021 and this we're talking about late 80s how did she manage i mean with four of you i can't uh, imagine it even today even i ask her many times but she just told me oh magdalena you know I I just need to survive. So I just do day by day what I needed. Mm. And it was like that. It wasn't choice to do it or not to do it. It it was no choice. But uh, if she wouldn't have done I mean I'm I'm just curious like if if your mom would have not been able to what would have happened then? I mean, how how did that work? You know, like if there was a... Because communism is socialism that is built on everybody should get something, everybody should be taken care of, we all should be able to live. Would that have actually happened back then? You know you know what I mean? Could she have gone somewhere to get help? Do you probably know how that... uh, I think uh, it would be probably... Uh, you have to have some... No, you need to have some help from wider family, so mm-hmm. probably they would separate us. Mm-hmm. And put the kids in different homes. And yeah. Uh-huh. But it wasn't never the matter we think about. We just, oh, our mommy is just perfect. <laughs> she mm-hmm. can do it. Mm-hmm. And we tried to support her a lot, of course, mm-hmm. to help her. But yeah, it wasn't mm-hmm. the matter of fact. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, 
But you you told me we were talking before, and and I was curious about how this affected you because you you told me that you kind of realized that life is too short. I mean, when you're eight years old or or around that age, you know, do you, how did you process this or how did you think about this when you lost your father? You know, it's to think. First thing is, I lost my father, but in some way, I lost even my mother because she was just all head over feet all the time. Mm. So she was pretty busy. And I found that my dad died in the age, almost the same age like I am today, mm -hmm. 40 and something. And... Uh, he didn't live the life he would li like to live. Mm -hmm. So I thought, oh my God, my daddy died and he didn't fulfill his life. So I need to do it differently. Mm. And I decided to live every day to go to the bed and say, oh my God, it was a really good day mm. and I'm very happy with that. So that was some decision for me already when you're young yeah at eight years uh -huh. and another another part was that the teachers before were for me really authority i love the teachers i wanted to copy them so i, I was kind of nerd mm. but after my daddy died i just look at them observe them and say oh my god what are you saying here? Mm. Blah, blah, blah. Oh my God, you will die anyway. And I was a little bit mm. <laughs> problematic so after. I just still have the same uh, beautiful marks, like um, the but best you, one. But you, your attitude changed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a Nietzsche somehow. You're going to die anyway, you know, like uh, a little bit dark philosophy somehow. Absolutely. I lose my respect to authorities. Mm -hmm. So I need to find again uh -huh. a little bit later. Um, <clears throat> but you, and then you, but I guess then, like you say, you know, like you, you also, and, and all of your siblings, you kind of had to step up a little bit and take responsibility. So you, you grew up quite young, if it's right to say it like that, right? I, I mean, think definitely that's right. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I, when you're 14, you are reading some philosophy books and stuff. Yeah, uh, I, I, wrote, uh, I read Frankl from Jung, and I love that. But uh, my sister is four years older, uh -huh. and she brought this book home. And I just found, oh my God, that's like... My friends, so I can talk with the author, and yeah, it was huge relief for me mm. because I had experience. My friends didn't have the same, so mm. I couldn't share it. Mm. And now with the authors, I feel like home. Uh huh. But, but I guess, like, also, I don't know how it was then when your father died. There was no therapy or anything like this. No, no, no. I had just some period. I cried every day mm -hmm. for a few hours, maybe half a year. And my mommy just didn't visit anyone. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, okay, you have to handle it. So, mm -hmm. so you, yeah, you, you take 
responsibility for yourself, your emotions and everything very young. And, and it gets you into reading those <laughs> very, very, these are very like deep books. I read some of this stuff myself, but I, I read it as an adult. You know, I cannot imagine when I was 14, I was, I don't know, I was reading Mickey Mouse and or actually not even reading. I was just looking at the pictures, you know, like, <laughs> so, uh, um, then you go on to study acting. Yeah, because I want to be really opposite to my family, you know? What were they doing? What what was th- what was it that they did that you wanted to be opposite to? They are very helping, intellectual, and nice family. And mm. I love them, of course, today. <laughs> I think that's uh, really important to me. But in that day, I was um, 14, 14 age, so... I started to be vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Just the main motivation was to be different in Re- every you're way. You're a rebel. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, I told you I, I lost my um, respect to authorities. Mm. So, yeah, it was like that. So I decided to be vegetarian, to be eco. And, uh, yeah, and I read this kind of books. And because my family, all of them are really in some helping professions. So my sister uh, worked in that time like nurse in psychiatry and my mom worked for seniors and like that. So I said, oh, my God, I wanted to do something pretty superficial and uh, artistic and rebel. So I wanted to study acting. and It was like rude word. Uh-huh. In my home. So uh-huh. I said, oh, mom, I know what I want. I wanted to go to Prague and study acting. And my family was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was like a rude war, really. Mm. So you, you you didn't think that you had the helping part in you somehow? Or or you were just trying to, to avoid it? You, you, just, you just wanted to be a different? Yeah, I definitely tried to avoid it and be different. Mm. And it was the main purpose in that time. And after, you know. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> the rest is history. Oh my You've God. been helping people for 20 years. <laughs> that's right. That's, uh, uh, that's the outcome. Yeah. But how was it to... So how old are you when you start studying acting? 18. Uh-huh. And you got, got here to Prague for, for that? Yeah, I came to Prague without money, uh-huh. <laughs> very poor, and I decided to make my money. Mm-hmm. So I tried uh, to work as a model. Uh-huh. If acting is root word, I have no expression for that, uh-huh. for my family. Yeah, to study acting and work as a model. Uh-huh. But it was good enough to pay my rent and my food and my uh, stand in Prague. Mm. So, yeah. But how was it to come from, uh, I mean, Pilsen is what, 100,000 people or something? City, maybe 150,000 people. And then you come to a city with like a million people, 18-year-old. Was it the big, big thing? Absolutely. Headache mm-hmm. every day. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, it was so noisy mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. at the beginning. And without friends, I always had a lot of friends. Mm. Maybe, maybe because my family was like, uh, yeah, my mommy uh, was busy all the time. And uh, yeah, so I always lived my life with friends. Mm. So friends were important chapter of my life. And I came here 
and I had just boyfriend in here mm. and no friends at the beginning. It was hard. Mm. Maybe the hardest part. Mm. And then, and this also during a time where, where Prague is changing a lot, you know, like because after the communism, I mean, this all of a sudden you got people coming, tourists and companies and you know money and and. But it must have been an interesting time, though. Yeah, very interesting. And I decided to overcome the feelings of headaches and it's too noisy for me and so on. So I walked every day mm. from some part to another. Mm. I walked as much as I could. And yeah, it was my way how to cope with that. Mm. And the acting studies and, and, and getting into acting, was that was that something that you liked or, or you or, or you know or was it when you found out what it was about then you then you didn't like it or or I love it at mm. first it was just huge euphoria because no one trusts me to pass exams and go there so and I did it mm. so it was huge euphoria at the beginning and after I just found I'm not as great actress as I wanted to be, because my classmates always uh, ask me to be on their shows in the first row to support them, to give them some feedback, to be there for them. But mm. no one just reserved tickets for my shows. So after one year, I was like, oh my God, maybe I'm amazing spectator, but not an actress. Mm -hmm. And I asked my head of department of acting at the academy, what to do with that? And he answered me, oh, Magdalena, maybe you are too happy to do theater. I think you are too happy. You are not bad as an actress, but you are too happy for that. Maybe you are some kind of artist of life. And I was like, oh my God, what to do with that? Mm. Artist of life? Yeah, that <laughs> doesn't make any sense. No, no, no. Where to study and what to do with that? So yeah, it was huge euphoria at the beginning. And after a huge disappointment. Uh-huh. And uh, but when he says that you were too happy, I mean you after everything you went through, you were not supposed to be happy. I mean, like if if we are always being told that people that have troubles in their life and, and challenges and you lost your father and, and, and these things. That's right. But I think he was right in some way. Mm. I have happy temper. I, you know, because I always, you, you can have the same circumstances and you can use it against you or for you. And I'm the person, always use it for me. Mm. Yeah, to handle with that. Mm. I don't want to stay like a poor girl with the poor, from the poor, poor family. Yeah, I didn't want to stand on that. You didn't want to be a victim. Absolutely. Mm. I decided to live my life, to search for the meaning of my life, the search for something different than I grew up. Mm. So, yeah, I think in that meaning, I'm really happy. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. But you, so when when he tells you this, that you're an artist of life and, and all these th things that make no sense, I mean... When did you realize that 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 meant that you should be a coach? I mean, what what was there some sort of a moment where you like, okay, I can use these 
my personality and I can use because you use now in your coaching you use the art and the and the acting I mean I know that from reading about you that you use that very much but was there any kind of a transition moment where you were like okay th- this is where I need to go yeah I I loved uh, acting in pro mm-hmm. very much and many exercises from acting because uh, the method and exercises are really similar to Eastern philosophy exercises. Mm. Um, many of them. Because acting, many people connect acting with like to act something out, to pretend something. Mm. Yeah, But real acting, uh, if you're an actor, you have no tool. So you don't have any camera or uh, oil and yeah. So you need to work with yourself. Mm. And it's very similar to coaching. Mm. So you need to cope with your emotions, your body, your voice, your... uh, Yeah, you need to know yourself if you want to be a good actor. So all the exercises was like how to know myself. And this was part I really loved. And I use it for groups so I worked with groups when I was 20, 21, 22. I started to work with groups for uh, communication, for example. I use these exercises. Yeah, and clients ask me if I provide as well one-to-one coaching. Mm. And I say, oh, no, I don't do that. I don't know even what is it. And if so many clients ask me for the same, so I started to be interested in, okay, what is it? coaching mm. so it was like that but you were skeptic about that though i mean you told me that you when when people were talking to you about making this into a business or a career then you you felt like no everything exists that you know there are other people doing this already i don't have anything any yeah. special i don't have anything special to offer right or or yeah 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 it's connected with my first training in coaching uh-huh uh, when I was as a student, and my uh, classmates from this training asked me, "Oh, Magdalena, what are you? How do you do that?" Because from acting, I really know how to read people. Mm. Yeah, because it's all the acting; it's all about body language and face expressions. So they look at me, oh my God, you are a fortune teller or what is, what is it? And I said, no, no, no. I just need how to read this. Mm. And yeah, and they asked me to do some, my own training and I didn't do that. I know it's so many trainings that... Uh, yeah. it, there wouldn't be any market for you. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, and after uh, we... We have some flight to Thailand, mm. and it was a really bad flight, but a really bad flight with many turbulences. We had to stop, and uh, it was scary. You thought you would die? Absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I was like, oh my God, maybe, maybe I can't, I can't handle it. And I thought, of course, about my job, and I just discovered, oh my God, I, I have. I have no assistant. I have no one to put my methods. So, and they asked me about training and I didn't arrange anything. So I was like, okay, if I survive this flight, 
I promise, oh my God, I pray, I promise I will do my own training. Uh -huh. So you didn't want this to die with you, Absolutely. your abilities. <laughs> yeah, so I survived, I had to do it. Yeah. But actually now I'm just curious because you say that with the acting, it's, it's reading and body language and, and, and this. What are you reading me? <laughs> you are now? You mean just now? Yeah, or whenever. I mean, we met. This is the, the third, the second time that we meet. What is suspicious to me? You, <laughs> suspicious. Suspicious. Oh, this starts really well. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You uh, seems to me to be professional. Mm. Really professional, but it's some kind of doubts about yourself. So, yeah, mm. it seems to me a little bit suspicious because you look like pro mm. and you're honest and open, mm. very open. But like t you would have some doubts back in your head. Yeah, but isn't that healthy to, to, to be... Isn't that also like if you ha if you don't if you never well actually first of all uh, if you would ask my girlfriend she would disagree with you because she thinks that I'm an arrogant self co too confident and and blah 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 but I come from a I come from a culture where you're supposed to be you're supposed to believe in yourself mm -hmm. like that's the the gift we get from our our parents is that you whatever you do just believe in yourself. That's but, perfect. We need you here in Czech Republic. Yeah, I, That's I opposite. I, I agree because the op it's opposite here. You're told keep your head down, don't raise your voice, don't you know whisper everywhere and blah blah blah. And I I I I feel like an elephant in a porcelain shop with that. But <laughs> but the other thing is about the doubt because I think self doubt can be healthy because you you're if you if you too sure about yourself it's easy to kind of stop somehow or you don't develop yourself or you don't add new skills so I, maybe I'm just justifying my own doubts about myself by, by <laughs> figuring out the way to put it into some fancy words no 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 I think it's always about balance you're right mm. and I think uh, with your surroundings you're just a gift here mm. <laughs> to, uh, into Czech Republic. We need you. Mm. We need more people like you. Could go yeah. into politics, maybe. Uh, yeah. Okay. You need try. to get my passport first, though. <laughs> check, check one. Uh, but so, okay. So there's a, there's this flight from Thailand you, or to Thailand, and you think you're about to die, and then you decide, okay, I need to, I need to pass this gift that I have or this ability that I have. I need to gr give give it to the people. Yeah. Um, and uh, or anyone who wants it um but um what was it here that i had yeah so but I, i'm i'm curious because th this is as you said you start this tw 20 years ago and with coaching and and therapy and counseling and mentoring and all these things that are about to help us building our individual abilities or, or confidence and and communication skills there's a lot of stigma around this you know a lot of people like especially I feel it here, you know, when I talk to guys here, like, and they feel bad about something, I said, you, you go to therapy. No, no, that's that's weak. I'm, you're weak if you go to therapy or you're weak if you ask for help. How was that? Like, if it's 
like that now? How was that 20 years ago? Did you feel this? Like, were people skeptic about going to a fortune teller like you? <laughs> yeah, I think um, now it's much more open than before, mm. of course. And maybe in that time, people thought that therapy or coaching are just for ill people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They uh, had in their head, okay, it's not for me because I'm healthy and I'm all, all right, of course. And that's for the others, for the weak, weak ones and um, ill, probably, with some depressions. Yeah, and I think uh, it's changed a lot from mm. that time. Mm. And... Uh and you do, I mean, you, as you said now, you nowadays you're doing both, um, compa- you started kind of with companies or groups, then you went into more individuals and couples, and then now you're kind of doing a little bit of everything, right? Yeah. Is there a, like a, a, a big difference, like um, um, what you can bring, well, what is coaching actually? What is that? In which meaning you mean? I don't know. By I mean, coaching like, or coaching? Yeah, like if you coach, like let's say you're coaching a company or a group of of people from a company. What 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 is it that it's supposed to do? It's so many uh, ways mm-hmm. how you can use it. So you can coach the managers. You can teach them how to coach their people. Mm. Uh, you can coach their personal goals or their um, working goals. Yeah. So just do some very effective uh, coaching, how to be more successful and uh, stuff like that. But my um, subject is relationship and communication, even in companies, even for individuals. So it's still the same. Mm. Yeah, Because if it's about our relationship, relationship to myself, relationship to the other, relationship to my lifestyle, relationship uh, just in my working space. Mm. So it's still the same. Mm. But, uh, like, uh, companies are always about numbers and goals and systems and, and I don't know, uh, structures and organizations and stuff like this. So you, you're you not dealing with that part. You're more dealing with the people that are working within this system. Absolutely. And if they order me, they know, oh, she she do this uh, artistic coaching. Mm. We want to open relationships in our team, for example, or we need more honesty in our job, or we, we need, need to know how to make a speech, for mm. example. So they order me at that particular tasks. Mm-hmm. So you would never be like, it's not like, I don't know, a company is saying, yeah, we need to figure out how to increase our sales by 10%. They wouldn't, you know, it's not an exit file that you help them building. You're more working on on the relationship. But is it like, um, um, I don't know how to say it, like, uh, are people willing for this? Because my, my experience in, in companies is that people are often very protective of what they are doing and they're afraid to change something and they're afraid of, I don't know, being honest or open in in business because that means that somebody could maybe take something from you or he can steal your idea or or something. And, you know, this company politics and stuff like this. Absolutely. So that's my part to create a space they can share themselves and 
can feel open and want to share. Mm. Yeah. So that's my job. That's my responsibility to make this safe space. You, yeah, you create the environment for that. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And the rest is just on them. So But how do you do that? And how do you use the art and the and the I use many acting exercises, like group exercises, uh, which is huge fun. So if I have, for example, two days training, mm. half, whole half of the first day, I just put in that how to make relationship with the group, me and the group, just um, between the people in a group. So I really put big um, important to that mm. but yeah like is it like because you know i've been, I've been in, in in some events where we i mean we had a motive like we, some motivation speaker for example i mean and and to get the group to be a little bit more awake in the morning he made us all sing a song for uh, as an example just to kind of create a different atmosphere Absolutely. Uh, is it stuff like that that you're doing? I mean, are, are, absolutely, yeah. Uh -huh. They create the new atmosphere, the new relationships, and you know, you're the manager as well, so you know, the numbers are always uh, about the people. Mm. So I work with people. Mm. And yeah, but I need to know more, Martelin. I need to understand better. So how, like, okay, so let's say that you had a group of ten people in a room. Mm -hmm. How do you get them to build this relationship? Are, is it just to sit them on a table and they speed do speed dating or something, or or how? No, definitely not. So uh, one of my really favorite exercise that people just try to meet themselves. So they are in a in one group in a space and just walk around. And first they should say what they perceive in a space here. So, for example, I would ask you, oh, Almar, look around and tell me, walk around and look around and tell me what is here mm -hmm. you didn't mention before. Tell me five things. Uh -huh. And you would answer. And after, I would say, okay, give me five more. Yeah? And after I ask them, okay, and now the same level of your mindfulness use and tell me, how do you feel today? Okay. And after I want to meet each other. So, okay, you will just walk around, just stay, find, uh, find some space in between you and look to the eyes of the other person with the question, who you are? Mm. Who are you? Mm. And just the answer is, I respect you. And that's all. Mm -hmm. without words and if you feel it's really connection okay you can just uh, without words say thank you and go and meet and someone else mm -hmm. and it's just very beginning and opening exercise for the groups but it worked great because the some people told me we spent 10 years together in the same office mm -hmm. And I never paid attention. Yeah. On the eyes of the others people. Mm, mm. So they look to the eyes and they maybe see more. It's not just colleague. Mm. It's human. Mm. It's really person. Mm. 
So that, yeah, it's exercise like that. So mm. that's the beginning, mm. and I continue in the same way mm -hmm. for hours. So it's to get people to observe their environment, the people around them, to to appreciate what they see and and notice things that that they otherwise wouldn't. I mean that that kind of opens it up. Yeah. But how how is it to because yeah uh, I don't know I th I think in somehow we are often dehumanizing business you know we are we are um, and 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 right now I think like if I'm listening to you now I started thinking oh what about me too I mean me too in this you know like if I start looking at my female colleague and try to, to I, I actually I did this the other day we have a new colleague in the office and she has beautiful eyes and I said wow I really like your eyes and I was like afterwards oh, fuck. She's going to take me to the police for some harassment or something. And it, I mean, it was not my meaning or anything like that. So, what, because, I, and it just made me think, what you're saying is that you're actually trying to get people to, to, to be more human mm -hmm. and less robotic. But I feel like now with a lot of, we, we are, uh, we are afraid to say things. We are afraid to act. We are afraid to touch. We are afraid, because the borders are moving constantly yeah. of what is allowed and what's not. So it can, is it difficult in this sense? I don't think it's difficult. I always announce, okay, there's the exercise, mm -hmm. don't take anything personally, mm. just, uh, yeah, it's different in reality. Of course, you can go and look to the eyes, your colleague, two minutes or I don't know. Yeah, it's too long, of course, but just try, mm. just try to understand what's the what does it mean really in the core to meet someone else? Mm. Try to understand. Yeah, meet by meaning a deeper connection than just Absolutely. to say hello on the hallway, you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Because we meet each other, but we are not able to meet, to mm. really meet. Mm. Yeah, so that's what I do. Mm. But you, you're also using some breathing techniques and, and, and these kind of voice stuff right absolutely many of them because if you uh, m many clients individual and even from companies ask me that they need cope better with their emotions and there are no better exercises than just breathing exercise because if you are able to manage your breath you are able to manage your emotions mm-hmm by deep breathing or something, or is it like some... Absolutely, so many methods, mm -hmm. how to do it. And this is something you took from the acting with Yeah, you. yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Do you want some example? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to try? Uh, yeah. Okay, so just put your feet on the floor. Uh-huh. They are. And your spine, very comfortable, but yeah, mm -hmm. straight. Mm-hmm. And try inhale for four. Keep it for four. Exhale for four. And keep it for four. And again, uh, you can imagine the square like. Yeah. Inhale. Four, four, four. Yeah. And try it a few times. Now the listeners will fall asleep. 
they can try it uh, with us. <laughs> Breathe in. Mm -hmm. Stay. Exhale. And stay. And last one. Exhale. Okay. Do you feel that? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, my my mind is calmer somehow. I, I everything went down somehow. I need another coffee. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So we can wait. No yeah, problem. Yeah. But uh, um, but how how are, are people open for this? You know, because I can I I, I mean obviously companies are as different as they are many, but uh, and and groups can be different. But I I'm now I'm just. I don't know why it comes to my mind, but, and I'm not asking you to tell me any details of any specific customers, but could you go into a company like a, a state-owned institution or, or an office that handles, I don't know, whatever, some state data or something, and can you get people in, in a business like that that have maybe worked there for 30, 40 years? Yeah, absolutely. They, uh, it's a little bit different. It's not the way I call to the company. Okay, do you want to my? Do you want to breathe? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's it's a little bit different today. So mm. normally, it just uh, some boss uh, met me, for example, on some of my personal workshop I provide, mm. and say, "Oh my God, that's what our team really need." Mm -hmm. So they call me. Okay, Magdalena, let's settle the day. And they know uh, what they search mm. already. And yeah, I think it's much more open atmosphere for that today because uh, they have so many burnout syndromes and uh, people in depression. And mm. yeah, and it's affect the companies a lot. Mm. So they have some yoga classes, for example, and uh, stuff you couldn't imagine 20 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So it's really different. It moved a lot. Mm. But do you, <clears throat> um, I don't know, um, if I'm a 65-year-old worker in, a, in, a, in an institution, can you get me to open up? I, I, I mean, or are there some groups like this that are tough or difficult, you know? Yeah, I have one in individual coaching now. Uh-huh. And he's great from insurance company and he's amazing. And I always try to connect with some part of the person or even if it's the group, it's the still the same. I need to work not just with the group, but with individuals in a group. And I try to connect with the part of their persona. They can play. Mm -hmm. They know how to play. They they have uh, and they have some hobbies. For example, uh, this man, uh, this uh, concrete man, uh, is musician, uh -huh. and he's drummer uh -huh. in '65, and okay. he's amazing drummer. Yeah. So we use uh, his drumming for our process, okay. and I always try to incorporate all their interests and ability to play mm. into the group, into the process. Mm -hmm. Because that, and that's actually what I I, <clears throat> I wanted to ask you about also is that it's the this chemistry between like I could go to one coach and it wouldn't work out but then I could try another one who would be 
kind of using the same method, but it would work because of the chemistry. Absolutely, it's always about it. Mm. And it was uh, many researchers uh, about what kind of coaching or what kind of therapy is really efficient and is really the best one. Mm. And it's always about relationships. Mm. From all the research mm. is the same outcome. Mm. Relationship is number one. Mm. And it's even what I thought to my, what I try to teach my students in my training. Mm. Okay, if you have no great relationship with the client, you can't help him. Mm-hmm. Even you would be the best coach in the world. Yeah. Yeah, because we wanna we wanna cooperate with people that we feel a connection to. We don't want to cooperate with people that we feel nothing somehow. It's it's just how we are Absolutely. as animals. And that's where it makes for me like I feel that this dehumanizing of business that I feel is somehow happening, not not necessarily planned. I think it's kind of randomly happening because of other factors. It's complicated because um breaks that connection that I think has to be there to make business successful and to make people enjoy doing what they're doing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I, yeah, this... Um, um, for, so for companies, basically what they're looking for is to better communication, better relationship within the business, uh, I guess leadership, confidence... And, the, and these kind of things. I mean, these are the outcomes that they're looking for, right? Yeah, and ver- uh, very often uh, the coaching for managers. Uh-huh. It's a very popular topic, and yeah. I love it. Because, yeah, it's a little bit different if you train a professional coach. It's different than if you teach us coaching for managers. Mm. So, yeah. Well, what is it about that that you like? I mean, what, what is it with the management coaching or the manager coaching that you like? I like... Uh, I think that the boundaries uh, are kind of stimulus for your creativity, mm-hmm. and they can use it just in some way, and mm-hmm. that's what I like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're a professional coach, you have so many tools to help your people. If you're mm-hmm. a manager, if you're boss at the same time, you can use just some of them, mm-hmm. and that's what I like mm-hmm. because it's kind of experiment. For all of us, mm. I say, okay, I want to teach you this one because it helped a lot of people, but I want to know if it's helpful for you. Mm-hmm. Mm. But do you, do, can you, te- I mean, so I think some people are natural born leaders, you know, like some people have something that makes other people want to follow them. And in the end, leadership is about getting people around you to do things for you, for a purpose or for a strategy or for a goal or something or a direction. And I'm, I'm just curious, you know, like, is it, can you teach leadership or is it, or, or you, know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I definitely, uh, I think I understand you. If... Uh, kind of ability to lead mm. or um, to have some charisma mm. for the others mm. if it's possible to learn. Mm. Is it that yeah, question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can, I, I actually, the question that I had was, can you teach charisma? But I, I didn't manage to get it out of my mouth properly. <laughs> yes. Okay, okay, I got it. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, you can teach charisma uh, like you can teach authenticity. Mm. 
mm. but you can find the barriers. Why is your charisma not coming out? Yeah, doesn't shine. Uh-huh. Yeah, what is not here? Mm-hmm. Uh, or and it's the same with authenticity. I think it's really connected mm. one to another, and you just go and try to find the barriers for the people why they are not able to express themselves mm. what's the barrier mm. and how to overcome it and mm. that's the way how i work mm. but in in acting and, and arts you know you have a very different environment that doesn't have a well okay of course if you're a hollywood actor or a, or a, or a professional state actor in something then there's some money involved but but the environment, the creative environment, is very much the satisfaction from it is very much taken from, I don't know, the adrenaline or the or the emotions and and these things that you build between two people. You know, like so, if you if you go and do an improv somewhere with with other people, you're you're not waiting uh, to walk out of the room and get a hundred dollars in your pocket or something. You're you're you you take your satisfaction from the act that happens there. Business is about getting paid at the end of the month, or getting your invoices paid, or something like that. And I'm, I'm just—is it too far be- between business and art, or is it shorter than we think? Or, or I always try to connect uh, what is not connectable. So I try to put a little bit more art to the business, mm. and I know, and it's really necessary to put some business to the art. Yeah. So, yeah, I always l- search for the bridge mm. in between. Mm. Yeah. Um, what, what did I have here? Um, do you like more, like, the, the groups and the companies or, or the individuals? I mean, what gives you more? Is it is it more fun to work with a, a group of people than, than one-on-one? I need both. Mm. It's different energy if you work with a group. Mm. Maybe it's more energy you have to provide mm. and even you uh, get back from mm. that. Mm. And individuals, it's just private work and it's huge and deep relationships with your clients. So, mm. yeah, I need both. Uh, w- once I thought I need some break mm. and uh, relax a little bit, and I wanted to work just with individuals, mm. but I had no opportunity. But COVID gave me this opportunity to work just with an individuals. Mm. And I discovered that I need groups. Mm-hmm. I love that work. Mm. I just love my work. Yeah. In a <laughs> that's, whole. That's, that's great. <laughs> that's a really, that's, that's, that's a privilege, I think. I think, unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there that don't like their jobs and they don't even know how to like their jobs. Uh, but uh, talking about the individuals a little bit here, so so this can be f- personal things, right? I mean, the the, the, the like counseling and and therapy and, and and these kind of things, right? Yeah. Um. And and that made me think, like, um, and it was actually in that article, the the myths about um, coaching. Uh, that. Yeah, people need a coach because their network isn't how to say neutral in a way like you i can bring my pro and actually i read this it was a sentence in that article that i can take my problems to to a friend and that friend will comfort 
me by telling me how much more miserable he has been. Yeah. And that's supposed to make me feel better. Which I, I, So he doesn't do it for bad reasons, but that's just his method of comforting me. Absolutely. But it's not enough. That's typical. That's a great example. And why do that? So people need coaches because they're neutral. Yeah, I think uh, to be neutral is a really important condition. Mm. But uh, it's maybe even uh, something other. If you wanted to know what you have in your head and you say it out loud and you hear it, mm. I think it's really important. Mm. And one of my favorite exercises, and I help so many couples with that, is you have your holy five minutes to express yourself and the other person just listen. Listen without comments, without questions. Just try to receive it and listen really deeply. Mm. And after, sh- okay, it's your. I, I take you and your uh, girlfriend as an example. So your girlfriend has her holy mm. five minutes, mm. three times. So five, 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 five. Mm-hmm. And after, you can share your emotions, your ideas, uh, your and. It really helps a lot. So I think the possibility to say your stuff you have in your head out loud is the most important part. Mm. Because, and you know that, if you say it out loud... Then it's real. You are, yeah, yeah. it's real. You are responsible to handle, to mm. cope with that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a... And I think I think that's um, um, probably in, in, in relationships, uh, whether it's, you know romantic relationships or, or or friendships i think honesty or or speaking out is actually often the biggest problem the lack of it because this is often between people who even have the ability then to solve the problem but they they're just afraid to bring it out because the moment it leaves your mouth it's a real issue that you then are obliged to deal with so it's better to put your head in the sand yeah Mm. And it's sometimes even uh, with the individuals like that. Mm. So uh, I had a client and uh, he knew his marriage is really bad. Mm. But he just couldn't leave because he had two uh, just small kids, Mm. two years and four years. So he didn't want so she she just told me, oh, Magdalena, I know what to do, but I'm just not able. Mm. And uh, I said, okay, I can help you in that. So you know what you know, and I'm here for you. So, But I don't uh, see uh, another process would work for you. Mm. So she she went to psychiatrist. She had some uh, ant- uh, antidepressives, pills, you know, and she used it for one year. And after she called me again, oh, Magdalena, I need to solve it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's mm-hmm. unbearable. I, I, I just can't stand it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's sometimes like that, that you know what to do. But you're just not able or ready for it. Yeah, you are still not ready and mm-hmm. it's okay. Mm-hmm. But very often you're on the same spot few years or a few weeks or a few months after. Mm-hmm. But talking about a person like that, actually, because, you know, like, let's say that I, I uh, or, or yeah, you're, you're, a, you're a married 
woman with 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 small kids and and you and you know that your marriage is over but if that person would go and speak to their mom or their grandma <laughs> or 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 their mother-in-law or something 99% of the replies would be yeah yeah stay together for the kids no matter what absolutely right? they have their own intentions and yeah. it's okay yeah that's yeah. the role but this is why we can't really always take our most inner secrets and issues to the our closest relatives or friends because they have a perception in their head about what we should be or how we should be right absolutely based on their own experiences mm. And that's why important. we that's why we need people like you. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> but what's the line between a, a, like a personal coach and a, and a therapist, or like a, a psychiatric help, or, or or let's say psychotherapy? It's not really a clear line, right? I don't think it's clear line. But many many my of my colleagues would would say, oh, that's strict line. Uh-huh. But it's not for me. Mm. And I did um, study even therapy, so. Uh, in my case, yeah, yeah, yeah. it doesn't it, everything matter. Everything in one box for you. Absolutely. But, but what line would that be, for example? And what are people then talking about? If you are, uh, my typical client is the man or woman. She lives good, normal life. Mm. They have families. They have a good job. They have nice income. Uh, they have all their, uh, you know. Uh, property they wanted to have mm. and they feel some kind of emptiness inside mm. that's typical client for mm. me yeah they feel emptiness they feel loneliness uh, but they should feel nice and i think that's perfect uh, case for coaching mm-hmm. yeah everything is just normal and fine but i'm not happy enough mm. I search for something. I don't know for what, but help me. Mm. That's for coaching. If I have this normal level of happiness or satisfaction with my life, that's much more for therapy. And if I have a serious problem, kind of illness, so that's for psychiatry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it understandable? Yeah, yeah. So it's more like a lifestyle or figuring out what fulfills me more. Yeah. That's more like a therapy and the and yeah, the the let's say a clinical depression would be on the other if you've gone that way. But but that unsatisfaction or let's say this emptiness can get you to that point where you where where medicine is then the only way or medical help, right? I mean people can have these things for such a long time that it starts affecting them. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Um but uh, what are like um, right now because of COVID? I guess that like um, that has put a lot of pressure on you know families, relationships, and smaller businesses. You know where where there is I don't know like a small store owned by a family or or something because those are the people that really got fucked over. You know they didn't have online shops and stuff like that, and they had to go home and they couldn't open their business. So their life was very disrupted. Um, are you are you seeing this now in your? I mean, are are, are there different things now? Yeah. Than two three years ago. Uh, yeah, it's definitely different mm. because people maybe just accept the fact of dying, mm-hmm. and I think it's important for them. Mm-hmm. 
and I do have so many couples now. Uh, I always have, I don't know, two, uh, two slash third uh, like individuals, mm. and one third was uh, the couples. Mm -hmm. Now it's half half. Mm -hmm. So many couples because they they are just not used to be together in one space whole mm. days. Mm. So yeah, it's about relationships. And from the business, I think uh, the most um, horrible is for people they run hotels mm -hmm. and restaurants. Mm -hmm. And it's possible to see. Mm -hmm. But can you help those people somehow? I mean, what what are they... I don't know. I mean, can, can, like, let's say if I own a hotel that has now been closed for two years or or almost two years and and I can't see a way back. I mean, what what can you do for me? I mean, what, can you help me find a new career or or uh, to decide what mm. to do next? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I'm like a guide in their decisions. What mm -hmm. to do next? It's to close or not to uh, open more mm -hmm. or what what's next? Mm -hmm. The next steps, the mm -hmm. strategy. Uh that's my way and of course understanding because they have no, they haven't so many people to share with. Mm -hmm. Even sometimes they are partners, because uh, they, uh, the partners, um, they, they are part of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they have family together. So they have their own anxiety. Yeah, yeah. And the couples are they? Is it is it just the communication issues because of spending so much time together, or or are are couples realizing that? I actually don't like the person I'm with. Uh, both. Uh -huh. And infidelity, of course. Uh -huh. But how can you have infidelity on a lockdown? I mean, you can't go out. <laughs> <laughs> Hard. Yeah. But infidelity has uh, even the role to support the marriage. Mm. You know, did you hear about it? Mm. No? No. No. Because uh, you can live in a relationship which is really problematic. Mm. But if you have another one, it could support you. Mm -hmm. And you can survive even in a bad marriage, mm -hmm. and that's the problem. Because you get your, you get the stuff your that you sexual feel is, life yeah, and your yeah. emotional life, and your you just uh, and the functional part is in the family or, or or in that relationship that you have. Yeah, you're not talking about polyamory here, like a mutually agreed polyamory. You're talking about infidelity. Yeah, uh -huh. an affair. Yeah, and uh, has that. I don't know. Has that grown? Has, is it more? Are there more things like this now, or or after COVID or in COVID? Or no, I would say the ah people couldn't do yeah, the infidelity. Yeah, so absolutely. That, uh -huh. they, so they lost the crutches that was helping them getting through life. Yeah, and the real problems in marriages just arise. Yeah. yeah, that's really interesting. So, because people couldn't cheat anymore, uh, now I'm saying this in my words, they couldn't cheat anymore, they had to spend more time with their husband or wife, they got to a point where they have to go for therapy. Absolutely. And is it, are people coming too late then? Are, are they coming to, to someone like you when, when there is nothing left to fix? Or how, how is that in general? When couples come, you know, do you feel that, okay, we have something to work with here, or is it in crisis already? That's an excellent question. Because many people ask me, oh, Magdala, I have a really great relationship, mm. but do you think we should work on it? Should we come to you and make it even better? Mm. And I always said, no, please, don't 
touch on that. What's really fine. Work, what's working. Don't yeah, absolutely. Don't touch. Don't mm. touch. Don't. Mm. I don't want to see you. Yeah. So I wouldn't say they come in late. Mm. I think they come in, in time. Mm-hmm. I think just the bad assumption is it's always good to save the couple. Mm. I don't think so. I think I try always try to do everything I can for families and for couple to stay together, but sometimes it just has no meaning mm. to stay, to survive. And uh, yeah, and I think it's really important to divorce or break up or you know. break up with dignity. Mm-hmm. And it's the goal sometimes. Yeah, before it gets to a point where you burnt all your bridges and absolutely mm. and it's very bad for all of yeah everyone involved the couple the kids whatever yeah 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 so that's my part mm. to decide okay we do everything for you as a couple and it doesn't work and it's possible you can use few questions and you have an answer so. and, and that's the thing that i'm i'm curious about because if you i mean if you're a doctor and and somebody comes in with a broken arm and and you you see okay shit i can't fix this arm i need to i need to cut it off by the elbow or something you know like it's a it's somehow a, a decision that is going to be respected by everybody i mean maybe some people say i want a second opinion or something but i think people in general would trust that decision that the doctor recommends you know or or that that amputation so Let's say a couple comes to you and and you can immediately see okay no this is this is over this is doomed you know this will never work. You can't really say that right? No, you never can say that like no. that. But you can use many questions mm-hmm. to f- to get them to f- understand it themselves. Absolutely. So, if for example, if the partners are not able to remember, even the beginning was fine mm. and amazing, mm. that's a problematic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure, or uh, values. So, for example, uh, one from the couple uh, is really is really focus on make impression mm. in the others, and and on the other part in the couple, or just on people no, in no, general. No, people, people outside. So oh, that's me. The rest of the family. Yeah, yeah you clean before uh, visit. You have visitors at home. No. Okay, so that's okay, not then you. it's not me. <laughs> I actually I don't understand why you would clean when when people that you know and are your friends well enough to come to your home you shouldn't need to clean for them. I think so. They they could help you. Yeah, I mean if you need if it. They yeah? should not judge you based on the cleanness of your home. They should judge you on the character that you have. But that is just a very easy excuse for me to never clean. <laughs> I understand. Mm. And that's the matter of values yeah. as well. So and uh, the other from the couple mm. need meaning mm-hmm. yeah so purpo- purpose or, or yeah mm-hmm. and uh, so you have two two views make impression to um, yeah and make meaning meaning you mean like understanding why, why. You, you you said oh i i don't actually understand why should i clean yeah you search for meaning yeah I hope your girlfriend so <laughs> so you are a great yeah. couple. But if it's different uh-huh. in that values, yeah. so it's problematic as well. So you have that kind of questions you mm. can ask, mm. and if they answer and they are honest, so it's obvious. 
Mm. If it doesn't sense to stay together or not to. Mm-hmm. But it, that this can also be, I mean, I know this is just a tiny, tiny little example of values, but I mean, obviously there are, like in my case, you know, I can see in my relationship a cultural difference as well. You know, like you, you, you treat your home in a different way in, in one country and then in another country, you know, you have these, there are traditions also that, that, that matter, but I, I, and they can, they can be different, you know, like it, and I don't know, values are created maybe by traditions. Or Absolutely. And I like what you said, because that's not just the cultural thing. You uh, said your uh, girlfriend is Hungarian. Yeah. Yeah. And you're from Iceland, but all families are just separate culture. Mm. So our couples are two cultures in, yeah, yeah, exactly. one, in, space. One, in one space. Yeah. Yes. Um, but uh, I was thinking like um, if I come to a coach what do I need as an individual to be kind of ready for I mean what what, what is it that I should be ready to do or ready to you know like is it because I think like often when people make the decision to go and ask for help, that's a big step, you know, because you then you kind of admit to yourself there's something I want to change or I want to improve. Um, but is there something like, I don't know, if, if people listening to this are thinking about going to a therapy or a coach, what should they be prepared for? I think the most, reason, the most favorite reason is some... Um, unsatisfaction in your life so mm. no i mean from from the coaching sessions you know like what is, what is it like i don't know like when i go fishing i need to take with me warm clothes you okay. know if you go coaching is, like, is there some oh. is it a long journey is it difficult am i gonna cry you know what, what's the it depends i have so many handkerchiefs yeah. in my <laughs> coaching room that it's okay they don't need it yeah. and uh okay the great is to have notebook and pen but i can provide it so mm. so they need just their honesty and courage to yeah. open themselves and that's all and do and is there homework you know if i would you if i come to you for coaching and then i talk to you about my things and then would you make me go home and practice something or yeah yeah i do a lot of homeworks and preparation for the next session mm-hmm. uh, in between mm-hmm. so yeah i use a lot of and uh, many experiments because we need to know how this topic works in their life for mm-hmm. example so uh yeah it's always about discovering. Mm. But um, um, like the values are, I, f- I feel like th- there are, there's a very big change in, in, in values. Um, and I, f- I feel like, um, I mean, of course, I'm an old person. So every old person thinks that the young generation is, fucked up or different or strange or whatever i mean i think it's a natural part of aging you know but uh but i what i feel now is that um the world or or a large population of the western world specifically is is walking around feeling guilty feeling that we're killing the planet we're doing this we're doing that we are racist we are um we are transphobic we we you know like we we are yeah we are we are 
very bad people. That's the what I see a lot. And 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 as I was talking about earlier in in companies, like what you know, what is the line that you can when can you compliment a colleague and when it's a sexual harassment and all these things. The lines are very much they have moved very much. Some of it is great that it has moved because I mean, if it eliminates real sexual harassment, that's great. But it cannot eliminate interaction between man and a woman or or a trans person and a and a man or whatever you know but how is it for you like if you are let's say if you get a young younger people into you now do you do you see any of this do you see that are they talking, i mean for my parents for example their life was about survival it was about having a house having food it wasn't about going to Thailand. It wasn't about going to Africa on a safari. My life is very much about that. Mm-hmm. And of course, I want the other stuff as well. And then I feel that the generations below me or the younger people now, th- their life is about some sort of uh, being nice. Or, I don't know, being a better human somehow. Do you see this somehow in your on your clients, you know, that... I'm not sure we can s- say it in general. no. Maybe no, no, no. It's not possible to say in general. Mm. I would say they just find their own way, their own way, how to spend their life meaningfully. Mm. And mm. they have so many possibilities mm. that it's very hard to decide. Even mm. for us, for our generation, mm. it's hard, mm. much harder than uh, for our parents, yeah, yeah, how yeah. you said. Yeah. So and they have even more possibilities. Mm. So yeah. So they maybe get anxiety from having all those choices. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. I think yeah. I, I, it it's the limited options are actually make life more simple. <laughs> yeah, and I think we need it. Mm. All of us mm. we need to go back to simplicity. Mm. That's a really important point. And in what way, like, in, wh- in what way simplicity, I mean? In all the meanings of the word. Mm. In our lifestyle, in our food, mm. in our ambitions, mm. in all that. Mm. Just very simple life. Mm. But that's, it's, it's interesting because, like, what you were saying about the companies before, that people are stressed and they are burnouts and, and, and it's actually, and, and, and it's really fucked up that we have all these tools. We've got the emails, we've got the internet, you know. we, I mean, sending a message from here to here in Prague where we're sitting in it to, let's say, Germany would have taken two weeks 100 years ago. Now, or 150 years ago. Now it takes two milliseconds on an email. And... And I have all these things. I have camera on my phone. I have all these ways of connecting to people. And now I'm using my hands to make these um, brackets. Um, But actually, we work more, or people feel that they work more than before. We have all these automation. We have all these systems. Everything, all of this was supposed to help us. But we are more miserable than ever. And we are more disconnected from each other than ever. I'm seeing now that people who have gotten used to being at home from their office, they just want to stay at home. That's going to have a huge impact 10, 20 years from now if people just don't have this daily interaction with other people in like life 
interaction, you know? So I'm just wondering if actually, yeah, we we are not getting helped by this. We're actually getting anxious from it. Absolutely. So I always share with my clients, don't search for more comfortable life. Mm. Search for meaning. And I think it's helped a lot. And I have my own project, Love Life, just mm. Magdalena personal project. Mm. Because if I'm in the stadium, I don't like my life too much. Mm. And sometimes, I, of course, I am. Mm. Uh, because it's always about balance. Mm. And to be in balance, so you need to overcome the boundaries. Mm. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of experiment all the time. And if I'm at that state, I always decide, okay, I have to change my track. Something really important I need to change. And it's the same for my clients. So, okay, you hate this part of your life. So what to do with that? Mm. Yeah. Mm. So you want back your love life. Mm. Then you have to take it. You have to do something about it. Absolutely. Mm. Some but I, yeah, but I, I think that's also one of the things. I think that we, we maybe are feeling now that somebody else should fix our problems or we should, I don't know, if I, if I don't like the fact that you're a vegetarian, I shouldn't see anything from you because you're a vegetarian. But I, I, I don't think like that, you know? I don't want to live in an echo chamber where I, where I see only people who eat meat like me. So, <laughs> so But I, I feel like, yeah, somehow because of this technology, the technologies put lives into different silos, different chambers, where we see just the things that we appreciate. We, we subscribe to see them. And that makes everything else a little bit more offensive. So what we're supposed to break down the barriers and break down the boundaries between people has actually built more boundaries than anything else. I mean, you, when you were a kid, you wouldn't care if... if, if or, or your mom, she wouldn't care if someone was a vegan or what, you know, the, the, if it was a friend, then it was just a friend, you know. But now we're actually picking sides all the time. We're saying, I belong to this, I belong to this, I belong to that. But, uh, yeah, it's up to you. So, so many close friends doesn't know I'm vegetarian. I'm vegetarian from No, Portland. they know it now. So Everybody's listening. Uh, okay. <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> yeah. It's up to you if it's uh, part of your PR, personal mm. PR, or mm. not to. Mm. And I think the answer is uh, Beatles came with mm. that. Mm. All you need is love. Yeah. <laughs> That's just simple. Yeah. yeah, simplicity. So, yeah, love, kindness, and, yeah, well to understand but the PR, actually, that's a int very interesting point. That Because I never branded myself as, okay, I, I'm lying. I branded myself as a manager in companies when I was a managing big companies. I, I, but it wasn't on purpose. It was just something that happened. I became Almar, who ran this company, or I was Almar, the CEO. And, and the, like my jobs kind of consumed me for a time. Luckily, I found myself again, and uh, and I just became Almar the nobody, or you know, you know what I mean. I did. Just, Congratulations! Yeah, yeah. you overcome your persona. Yeah, and uh -huh. it was great. But um, this is, I, I I feel like people are now needing to to define themselves based on choices. Like you're saying, you don't. The fact that you're a vegetarian isn't part of your PR. Yeah. It's not uh, important at all. Uh, exactly. But but for some people, these kind of things, 
because they don't know what to choose, they don't know what to become, and they're looking for meaning, then they grab these things from the environment and they label themselves with them and that becomes their identity, which is then very fragile. Yeah, it's very fragile and they need to try. Mm. They need to try, they need to touch it Mm. and say, okay, that's not me. Mm. Yeah, so that's just part of the journey, I think, and mm-hmm. very natural part. It's like you. Your branding was becoming a, a rebel actress when you were young, Absolutely. and then you dropped it. Yeah, and it was hard to drop it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't easy because it was kind of my dream, mm-hmm. and I fulfill it. I mm-hmm. studied at the academy, mm. and I had to tell myself, "Oh, Magdalena, it's not on track." Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, but it wasn't it was process actually yeah i just need to make a long story short but yeah, it was yeah, process yeah, yeah, as well yeah. Mm-hmm. um yeah i think uh, yeah maybe in general i mean i i feel often like people do know the answers deep inside but they need someone like you to help them bring it to the surface i mean most people who are in i don't know i, I don't have a better word deep shit they know it, like whether it's emotionally or with relationships or, or career or whatever, but they they need guidance, right? So that's why they come to someone like you. Yeah, because they just try to avoid their emotions. Mm. And emotions is a beautiful word because the motion is mm. inside. Mm. Yeah. So if I say out loud my emotion, mm. I'm responsible to do something, to mm. move it a little mm. bit. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's why. Mm. You wrote this book, Forbidden Textbook of Coaching, and then you have the, the Carpe Diem self-coaching cards. What are these things about? Okay. Very quickly. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's very uh, yeah, simple tool, how you can coach yourself. But why Forbidden Textbook? What's forbidden in why it? Why Forbidden? Yeah, because my clients inspired me, my students from the training uh-huh. I lead, uh, inspired me, oh, Magdal- oh Magdalena, so... We love the book you recommend us, but they are so ugly. And the name of your training is Coaching as an Art. So we would expect something more fancy, funny, uh-huh. nice, uh-huh. and not boring business book you recommended us. And I said, oh my God. So I did some search and I didn't find a really amusing and a nice book about coaching. Uh-huh. Very interesting one. And uh, with many informations, but not nice and um, just beautiful. It was too heavy or, or, or too dry. or, or Yeah. So I thought what was the best textbook I read. And uh, I found one from, doesn't matter. Okay. Mm. From acting. Mm. And it was kind of diary. A diary of student of the acting training. And I said, oh my God, mm-hmm. that's the form I really love. But I put three persons into the book because I wanted at least three point of view of the subject. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of diary of these three persons. That are getting coaching. Yeah. Yeah. How they oh. find the methods and the training and how they respond to the group. And one is pretty skeptic. Uh, one is uh, that's she, so almost nerd. And <laughs> oh, that's great! And it it technique. So mm-hmm. yeah, the different different persons. Oh, that's great. So so basically, your method and how three different people 
react to it. Absolutely, yeah. That's a clever way to do it. I, sh- I could write a book about uh, my podcast where and, and how three people <laughs> listen to it. <laughs> well, they react. I love but, it. But, uh, um, uh, and then the cards, the Carpe Diem cards. Mm-hmm. You, ga- you gave me a box here. It's a beautiful box. It's super, super cool. Thank you very much. Inspired my clients as well because I thought uh, if I teach coaching that people are oriented very much about if they start of course so they are oriented oh am I really good coach it was the right question and they forgot almost on a client and I Mm -hmm. said oh no 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 first of all you need to listen to the client you need to have a relationship and the stuff we talk about so I tried to make just simple cards and Mm -hmm. say hey use it use that so these are like uh, cues in a way, like from theater. Yeah, in yeah, a way. yeah. Very, very, just very funny. And I thought, oh my god, even beginners are able to listen uh, to the answer of the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it started like that. After I just pick up some topics, the most often one, and find the quotation and questions I prepare, and yeah, and the pictures. Mm. are from my travels mm-hmm. all around the world. So, yeah, that's it's part re- of it's me. Re- yeah, it's really nice. I, I will post a photo of, of this also. With uh, I took a photo of this already. And um, so th- those cards are, y- you're, you're training other coaches, basically, and, and helping them getting started, right? Yeah. And then these, they can use those cards to help them. But what you're saying now, the most important skill of a coach is what you found out in acting school, to be a good audience. It's to listen. And love people. Yeah. I I think you can't avoid love. Mm-hmm. And Listen not, and love. Yeah. And not judgmental mm. approach. Mm. Just be open. Op- mm. Openness, love, mm. Mm. and listening. Yeah. Yeah. What's your reward? What What do you get out of this? I mean, I know you make a living from it, but what, where's the satisfaction coming from? You mean from my job? Mm. It's huge satisfaction. I, I I have no words for that because that's just such a huge privilege mm. to listen all the stories, to be in a core of what is it to be human. Mm. That I have no words for yeah. that. Well, that's great. Um, but you said it actually, because you're you're going into a, you're deep diving into the core of being human, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you keep in touch with people after you kind of finish working with them? I mean, do you follow your like someone graduated, let's say, from you, and and you do you check in on them? How are you doing ten years later or something? Yeah, like of that? course. Uh-huh. We do have supervision trainings, mm-hmm. uh, time to time. And I'm really interested uh, what they do next. Mm. And it's really um, interesting and important because some of them uh, work with dependent people, some of them working with young people, mm. some of them with seniors, some some of them with dying people. Now you're talking about the coaches that you... From coach, my training. Yeah, from your trainings, yeah. yeah. And uh, with managers and some of them uh, work in Belgium, some of them work in India, for example. So I guess you have them on your LinkedIn and stuff, so you can see when they get a new job and all that. 
Yeah. Does okay. it give you some satisfaction? Like, do you know when you see someone doing Absolutely, really yeah. They are like my kids. You, you know, yeah. I, I do have just the only child. Yeah. What is a little bit, I think that's a little bit suspicious. Even. Yeah. So I have so many kids uh, yeah. from them. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm really proud mother, I have to say. Yeah. But you, you told me about some um, funny thing in this because it sounds to me like you are you're kind of saying that by bringing the art and the acting into this, you make an environment that could otherwise otherwise be a little bit boring and dull, a little bit more lively. Yeah. But you, th- there was something that happened. You were you had a workshop with the British Chamber of Commerce. Yeah, but it wasn't really... Yeah, it was awkward, mm. really awkward. And it was my colleague because mm. we said, okay... You need to uh, prepare the workshop, and because it's British Chamber of Commerce, it's very formal atmosphere mm. in there. So let's start with some game to break uh, the atmosphere. Yeah, and she brought dice mm. to start the training, but she pronounced dice uh, very bad, like D I C K. Dick. Yeah, <laughs> and she used it in many ways. So let's grab the dick and uh, let's play with and well, let's play with the dick. Let's absolutely grab the dick. everything, <laughs> and it just people just made like stone faces. Look at her, and I can't do anything. Mm. I, I was at the other side of the room, so mm. nothing to do. So just beautiful blonde, uh, like model type girl came to my colleague. Uh, during the break and said Mrs. Dovkova never ever say this word in British Chamber of Commerce <laughs> <laughs> and and what's bad she my colleague and she's amazing she's amazing teacher she's amazing coach she mm. do the family businesses she decided don't continue teach in English and I think that's really uh, yeah, that's bad yeah that's bad that's so bad. Yeah. that's my job probably in yeah. a future yeah. to help her <laughs> um okay so we're kind of done. Um, where can people know more about you? So you have your... I will put it in the episode uh, description, the web pages and so on. But you have uh, a web page called vokatsova.com. Mm-hmm. And what what else is there? Do you have any other... There is uh, Instagram, Facebook or I something? Use, I use social media, but Facebook time to time, Instagram time to time. Yeah. I don't use it uh, too much, mm-hmm. but it's still... LinkedIn? I use it so. Mm-hmm. So um, I use it more like business card, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But it's part of me as yeah. well. Yeah. I'll put all this in the in the episode description so that people can follow you and, and, and check out more. And and can, like, the cards and that stuff, can people buy that on your page and, and your book? Can they get access to... Yeah, the book and the cards are there. Okay. And thank you very much for invitation and your excellent questions. It was yeah. interesting even for me. Yeah, it was very interesting. But a lot of the stuff that I was going to talk to you about, I forgot about it because some new stuff came to my mind. But you're writing a book now, Forbidden Loves. I do. I have to. <laughs> when is it going to be ready? Uh, spring 2022. Okay. okay, and what's it about? Infidelity. Oh, exciting. few poems and... Uh, Always the dialogue about mm-hmm. 
most uh, hottest topic, I would say. Okay, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Guys that are listening, uh, you can follow the show on Facebook, that's the Blah Blah Bunker, and the same on Twitter and Instagram, the Blah Blah Bunker. And there's a YouTube chale- challenge, no, channels, challenge, channel, YouTube channel called the Blah Blah Bunker as well. Um, it's basically just my audio with a few pictures rolling over, but uh, if you want to be listening to me at work and you don't want to have it on the screen or anything, you can just, you know, put it on, have it in your ears and pretend that you're working. Um, are you gonna, you're going to go and vote now. Absolutely. Atalina, right? I'm going to go and I'm actually babysitting a, a dog for a friend of mine uh, as of in two hours. So I will have my dog plus another dog. That's going to be really, really fun. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Have a nice day. Thank you. Same to you. Bye-bye. Bye.